Well, good morning. We are glad that you are here on this beautiful Sunday morning where the sun is finally out. Um, and we're not all flooded in. I know some people are flooded in. Um, we were trapped in for a little bit. I'm going to come over here and steal this. <laughs> yeah, we were flooded in a little bit on Friday. We couldn't leave. And maybe you got to experience that. And school was canceled. And how fun is that? So, <laughs> yeah, Gunner. Woo-hoo. Um, but we are glad that you're here. Let me, let me pray one more time before we get into this. Father, we do love you. We do thank you that you love us unconditionally, that you have a plan for us, that you sent your son to die for us so that we could be reconciled to you, Father, that we could have eternal life, which, which starts here, real, abundant, full life, not riches and wealth, per se, not health, per se, but, but a life of peace as we depend on you, a life of joy as we depend on you. And we just thank you. It's all about you. We are here because of you, not to earn anything, um, not because we deserve anything. We're here just to praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just sang a couple really good songs. Do you believe that last one that we just sang? Do you believe that God's a good, good father, that he loves you, that he, he made you uniquely. Last week, we talked about God's fingerprint on you, that he created you on purpose for a purpose. Do you believe that, that you're not an accident? Even if your parents thought you were an accident, you're not actually an, an accident. Um, and maybe some of you parents tell your kids you're an accident. But, but none of us were accidents. We were all planned. And we are in the fourth week of this six-week series looking at God's plan for your life and trying to answer the question, one, does God have a plan for my life? And we've said, yes. Yes, God made you and he has a plan for your life. And the second question is, does he want me to know his plan for my life? And yes, if God has a plan, he wants you to know it. It's not some mystery that you need to go you know, find in a box somewhere hidden and discover, oh, that's God's plan. He wants you to know. So how can you know God's plan for you? Because that's pivotal. I've been looking forward to this series. I think I shared that last week for a while because this series, it seems kind of long, but it's not. There's so much to that. If we can walk out of this six weeks with a little bit of an idea of, of what God has for us, or at least how to discover it, we will be more equipped to live the life God has for us, and we will be more readily mobilized for his kingdom, for this city. Because we're here, Car- Common Ground is here in Carson City, Carson Valley, because we want to make a difference in the city. Do you realize that the church exists for those not here yet? I mean, it's great that we're here. And we are here to know God and love God. But the reason we're kind of organized and God leaves us on earth is so that we can spread the truth to others so that they can be saved also. So the more we understand how God made us and how to discover his will, the the better we can be used. So last, well, the first week we looked at our, our kind of our first lesson of what is God's plan for my life? And we summed it up. We looked in Colossians and we're going to be in Colossians again, that Jesus is our life. That before we can really look to the future and try and discover what God has for us, we need to realize Jesus is our life. And it starts there. And we were even singing about that. It starts there that he is our life. Then, as we place him first, then we can be more ready to discover what he has for us. The next week, we looked at kind of the guardrails, the guardrails of life that we find in the Bible of God's moral and providential will. There's things God's going to do no matter what. He's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is going to come back. 
And when he does, he's going to glorify those who belong to him, and he's going to judge those who do not belong to him. And he's going to cleanse the earth with fire. That's going to happen. And then we looked at his moral will, those things laid out in scripture that we know are true. And we said, these are things that we never have to pray about. Does God want me to date that guy who's not a believer? Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Does God want me to go get drunk Saturday night? Nope. You don't even have to pray about those things. They're very clear in scripture. And so as we discover these, now we're getting closer in on what does God have for us. Last week, We talked about God's fingerprint on you, that God's fingerprint on you are keys about his plan for you. And so we had some fun um, in, at the youth group, we did a spiritual gifts test. And so all the kids did this test to discover what their gifts are. We did a little personality test. Um, Are you an otter or a lion or a beaver or a golden retriever? And so kind of, we did these tests to look at, you know, how has God made me? If he's made me a lion, Um, like one of my daughters was a lion very much. Um, Yeah, what does that personality mean? It means they can run people over and devour them, but it also means that they can 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 lead and want to get things done. And so there's there's good things about understanding how we're we're made. Um, we had a little bit of fun actually at home then looking at the spiritual gifts of our kids. And parents, I encourage you, if your kid no matter what age belongs to Jesus, they're already gifted and they're part of the church. They're not part of the church later. They're part of the church right now. So Kayla, she's in there, but she's 10. She's 10. And her gifting says she has the gift of mercy. And then her second one was pastor shepherd, which is kind of weird for a 10-year-old. But we looked at that thinking, okay, she does absolutely has the gift of mercy, but then she might want to see others grow and help others grow in Christ. So how can we as parents help them? So all of this, I hope that you guys last week took the spiritual gifts test if you've never done it. If you haven't, you can take it online. It's on our website, commongroundcarson.com. I know I heard there were some people that took it during the service last week. Um, I'm not going to point at anybody, but, um, (laughs) but, but take, take the spiritual gifts test, Uh, but then better yet, show it to your family, show it to those around you and get their input on, on how God has gifted you. Um, And then we also offered a a personality test and this one costs money online, um, but it's helpful. Also your unique design, it's ministry-based of how God has made you and wants to use you. Um, Or you can also do any one of those. They're all helpful. But how has God made you? So maybe you're here today and you said, I've done all that, but I've got decisions to make. (laughs) What do I do right now? Now what do I do? I've done those things. And we want to talk about that a little bit today. We want to, this week and next week, we're going to focus on, to a certain extent, how to make decisions. That's more next week. But this week, what do you do right now? now, right now. And we're going to be in Colossians, Colossians chapter three, but our main, our main emphasis today is work. You know, at some point we need to talk about this. If you ask people, or if somebody ever says, you know, I'm struggling with God's will for my life, it's almost always in line with, you know, a job, you know, profession or college or a relationship those types of things, but often it's, it's job. And I know this because I remember when Callie and I first got married, we were convinced God had us to be missionaries. I knew that since I was 16. I was wrong, but I had a, I had a plan. And so God changed that plan and we ended up in California and um, I was working construction. And I like working construction, but it just didn't feel like 
That's what God had for me. I, I don't know if you can relate to this. And I ended up taking a job with a, a construction company, and I was a number two guy, which I shouldn't have been. Um, but I quickly realized why he hired me. He hired me because he knew nothing, uh, but he was a great salesman. Um, and all of his workers knew very little, and they all caused problems. But I could talk to people well. So my job was calming customers down <laughs> and trying to make them, it was awful. Um, it was. And so, I mean, he would tell me, hey, take the crew and go get this job started and then move to the next job. Because if we start the job, we secure it, we get paid. I'm like, huh? Um, and then the, the number one guy that he hired who was over me, he wasn't very good either, but he was really good at yelling um, and really good at belittling everybody else. And so it was, it was not fun. I, maybe you, have you ever been in a job like that? <laughs> it was not fun. And sometimes paychecks bounced. So add it all up, Callie and I are, are newly married and, and wondering, God, is this really your plan for me? Is this what you have? Sometimes it was kind of depressing looking at that going, I had big plans and this is what I'm doing. Um, and I'd like to say that that only happens in life early on, but I knew plenty in their 40s. Same type of thing. Jobs change. I get fired or whatever it is. Uh, I knew a man in his 50s who overqualified, out of work, but overqualified for everything. Um, kids already out. So this can happen at any point in life where you go, what's next and what do I do? And I think, I think we get some good instruction in the book of Colossians on what we do. And I'd say this, this applies to you even if you're not in that position right now but you're wondering, I'm not sure what God has next for me. We're going to look in Colossians 3, uh, specifically verses 22 through 24. But here's the context. This was the book we started in. In fact, we started in Colossians 3. Colossians is all about your identity in Christ. So the book of Colossians, it's written by Paul, and he starts out with who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And then he gets into who you are. So look at Colossians 3. Because this sets up the context for what we're looking at. But Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 3 specifically. And we read these about a month ago. Paul says, if then, that word if can be since, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is where we got our first big truth. Jesus is our life. And what he's saying here is if, since, he's talking to Christians, if you have said, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, I believe you died on the cross and rose again, and I want to follow you, I want to belong to you, then this applies to you. If you haven't done that yet, do that today, then this will apply to you. If you've been raised with Christ, then Paul goes into it in chapter three, says, then live differently. You don't live like you used to. You don't live like the rest of the world. Put aside sexual immorality, slander, lying, getting drunk, all these things. And he keeps going on. And then in verse 18, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. So if you're raised with Christ, here's the order. Wives, submit to husbands. Sorry. Um, husbands. <laughs> Love your wives. You know, he, he goes into the roles in the home. Children, this is my favorite, obey your parents <laughs> in everything. <clears throat> Everybody paying attention? <laughs> Children, obey your parents in everything. And so he's talking about the order. If you are raised with Christ, this is how you live. Now he's going to talk about workers. In verse 22, 
It says bond servants. Now a bond servant then, uh, that's like an employee now, but that was more, more like a slave, but, but a servant. And in Rome in this time, the Roman world, probably 50% of the population were slaves. It's not like the slavery we, we know of. It was more like workers. Um, and that's who he's talking to. So he says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Uh, this is Colossians 3.22, if I didn't say that. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This applies to us. What do we do now? This applies to you if you're a stay-at-home mom and, uh, God, is this what you have for me? <laughs> Laundry and cooking and I don't really like cooking um, and cleaning up after my husband again and again. Um, is, this, is this it? You know, this applies to you. Uh, are you a student? Are you going to school and you're like, is this it really? You know, day in and day out playing basketball or whatever, this applies to you as a student. This applies to you as a worker whether you're working full-time somewhere. This applies to you if you're a boss. This applies to all of us. How do we live now as new people so that we can be ready for what God wants to do with us? And here's our, our big idea today is that God leads through opportunities. That's our big idea. And I don't, I'm not telling you now so you can just tune out, but we're gonna break that down. But God guides through opportunities. And so take advantage of the opportunities you have because they lead to the next opportunities. This is a principle in scripture and it's an obvious principle in life. This is part of how God leads, is through opportunities. Now, he's talking to these bond servants. Some had great masters, some had horrible masters. Some of us have good bosses, some of us have bad bosses. Some of us are good bosses, some of us might be bad bosses. But this applies to everybody. What do you do? Verse 22. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. That, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Think about that. Have you ever done that? Have you ever obeyed out of eye service? Meaning while they're looking. Not heartfelt. This, uh, the example that kept coming to my mind, when I was in high school, I was a wrestler. And the worst part of wrestling, and also the best, now that I look back, was the workout at the end of practice, the conditioning. Um, all this Kaya Fit and all this stuff that goes on now, nothing compared to that. I mean, there were times where there was sweat dripping from the ceiling. It was, so if you want to get in shape, go join a wrestling team. But we'd work out. Coach would, would be the one there, and he'd be telling everybody to work out, now do this, do that, and we'd be doing all this stuff. And he would say, we're going to do this till I'm tired, but he wasn't doing the workout. So it could go forever. And one of his favorite phrases was, you'll pass out before you die. So um, it was hard. But what he would do is he would do this, and then, you know, we're doing whatever we're doing. And as he would turn his back and walk through the room, a lot of times the, the, the athletes behind him would stop because he can't see them. Or we'd be running laps, and he'd leave the room to go check on something. Well, whenever he did that, some kids would just stop. They'd walk. And as soon as they hear the door, they'd run again. And then he'd go out. And, they'd, and so that was, that's obeying at, out of eye service when you're being watched. And then there were those athletes who they were going to be obedient. And they were doing their best. They were going hard. 
When coach turned around, they were going just as hard. That's the spirit we're supposed to have at all times. Um, I hope that makes sense. And that actually played out, you know, when you get to the game time, when you get to wrestling time or whatever, those who knew how to go at it in general were going to do better. But we obey not out of eye service as people pleasers. Um, Maybe you've been in a work environment, maybe this has been you, where you work harder when the boss is there. Um, Or I I had a young guy working for me years ago, and I remember I left, I went and did something, I came back and he was just sitting there. Like, what are you doing? Like, I finished doing that. I'm like, well, you could also do that and that and that. There's just a spirit of the opportunity that you have, make the most of it, not out of eye service. And he, he goes on in, he's in verse 22, he says, uh, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, with sincerity of heart. How does your heart stand in your work? Is it one of those things where the boss says, go do this or, or go do that, or a teacher or a coach, and you do it, but you grumble the whole time? You know, you complain to somebody else about your boss. That's, that's not sincerity of heart. Sincerity of heart is, I don't care how good you are, boss. I want to make you successful. I want to make you look good by serving you. That's sincerity of heart. And so that's how we're supposed to work. But look how he finishes verse 22. Fearing the Lord. I work for you as if I'm fearing the Lord. Students, the way you study and do school, do it fearing the Lord. Do the best you can. Athletes, if you're an athlete, if you're a swimmer, if you're a dancer, whatever it is you do, do it for the Lord. That's what he says in verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily. I looked that up because I I like that word heartily. You know, I get that. Work hard. Actually, I was very surprised that word is actually soul. (laughs) Work from your soul. Uh, The word, it's sukos. It's from the center of your being. So he's saying work with all that you've got, giving your best from who you are deep down, give it all to whatever you're doing. Whether that's the dishes, (laughs) whether that's cooking, whether that's basketball, whatever you're doing, go all in with it. Do your best. He says in verse 23, uh, as for the Lord and not for men. This is in your notes if you're a note taker. And whatever you do, do your best as though you are working directly for God because you are. In whatever you do, do your best as though you are working directly for God Because you are. Verse 24 says that knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He lays it out very simply. You are serving the Lord Christ. What you're doing now, you're doing for the Lord, and it's preparation for what he would have you do. No matter how menial or how much you don't like it, it's in preparation. This is a a principle through scripture. I want you to look or just listen. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verses 20 and 21. Say this. Now, this is a, it's a parable that Jesus told about talent. So in this parable, the, uh, the owner 
leaves, the owner of the land, he, he leaves and he leaves some money with certain servants. And he says, take care of this, watch over it till I come back. And he comes back and in verse Matthew 25, 20, the master is back and one of the servants comes before him. And he who had received the five talents, that is a, a sum of money, came forward bringing five talents more saying, master, you delivered to me five talents here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And in verse 29, it says this, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the, the principle in scripture. You are given a certain amount to be entrusted with money, talents, opportunities. And as you make the most of those, God can entrust you with something else, something more. And he's preparing you for that. But if whatever you're doing now isn't, it's below you, <laughs> it's not worth it. You're not giving it your all. How can you be entrusted with more? Do the best you have right now. This is in your notes. God guides through opportunities. Take full advantage of your current opportunity. Wait and pray for the next one. I was thinking about this when, while we were sing, singing uh, Wait Upon the Lord. That was the song we sang, right? What was it called? Everlasting God. Everlasting God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We wait. There's something about waiting, but what do we do while we're waiting? We don't just sit there and twiddle our thumbs. We're active with what we have before us. Yes, I would rather, uh, you know, I, I have this job, but I would rather have this job. Well, don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs. Do the best you have here, but still seek and pray and, and move forward on something else. I would rather go to this college, but I can't afford that one or whatever. So I'm going to go to this college and I'm going to study hard and do my best and try and get scholarships so I can move to this one. Whatever it is, we do our best. He guides through these opportunities. You know, this was a lesson um, that I learned in that job that I had where things were miserable and the, the guy above me was miserable. Everything was miserable. Um, well, the, the owner, he was all about taking whatever jobs he could get to make money. And he took a brick job, putting brick all over a house. Um, and the guy that he had said he knew how to lay brick and none of them knew anything about it. And so they started laying and I grew up, my dad was a mason, my grandpa was a mason. So I grew up hauling brick, <laughs> not laying brick as much, but I grew up watching this and he starts laying it. And I said, you know, you should probably use a string line. It's like, nah, we don't need that. And so he lays a couple courses and they look like this. And the homeowners didn't notice because it was behind some bushes. Um, and then he quit. And so he realized he couldn't do it and he quit and he left. And the boss is looking and I'm standing there with him. He's like, well, can you finish it? I went, uh, <laughs> Maybe. So I went and I bought a book on bricklaying and I called my dad and I started practicing bricklaying in the garage <laughs> and I went and I finished the job for him and, and the customer was happy and the homeowner was happy. Um, and it wasn't what I wanted to be doing with my life, to be honest, but it was an opportunity. And so I took it. It was just, I think a couple months later where we got a call from the Gardnerville area saying they need masonry contractors here. I'm like, well, 
I now, I did, I have the confidence. I can figure things out. I can learn. And so we moved out here and it was just God's way of leading. As I look, God used that to prepare me to come here to actually do what we're doing now. So not even related, but yet God works through these opportunities if we take advantage and move on. And that's our big idea, again, that he leads through opportunities. You know, my dad has a, a phrase I like. He says, life is a journey, not, not a destination. But yet for me, I'm always, I, often, I want to look at the destination. Like, where are we going? I want to be there. But life's a journey. So stop, look around a little bit. What's going on here? And are we making the most of, of this opportunity? Go back to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, that last verse, 24. So I already told you, do your best, work from your soul as if you're working for God because you are. And then he says this, knowing from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So you will receive a reward, even if it's not here, even if it's not from your current boss, you will receive a reward. And he's talking about eternal rewards. And actually, that parable about the talents, that was also talking about eternal rewards. You are trusted with things now, and the ultimate goal is eternity. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I really don't. I have ideas of what that's going to look like, but we're going to have jobs in eternity. We're going to be working forever, but it's not going to be like the toil here. It's going to be a good thing. But what we do here has an impact on what we do there. But ultimately, if we're faithful here, we will be rewarded with that eternal life. And so we can look forward to that. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. But it also makes a difference now. Because some of us have a lot of life left. Some of us not as much. But what are we doing now? Because we want to be used. Luke 16.10 shares the same principle we already saw. That one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. God often directs through new opportunities that are connected to current opportunities. Now, this is where it links back to last week. We talked about last week our gifts, God's fingerprint on you. And if you have an idea of what your gifting is, you probably want to use it or you have passions. Uh, take advantage of opportunities to, to use those gifts and passions and God will lead you to what he has for you. A uh, couple examples. Ever heard of a guy named Moses? Yeah, so... Here's this guy, Moses, who has a severe gift of leadership. And he looked at his, the, God's people and he says, I'm going to set these people free. They were all slaves in Egypt, millions of them. He says, I'm going to set them free. And he goes and he kills an Egyptian. Um, and then he freaks out and he, you know, this is really summing up um, in Exodus. He flees and for 40 years, he lives out in the wilderness as a shepherd. So for 40 years, he is a shepherd. He gets married. He has some kids. And he's doing that until God appears to him in a burning bush. He says, hey, remember what you started 40 years ago? Go finish the job. I want you to lead him out. Moses goes back. Everything that had happened in, in Moses' life prepared him for what was to come. He had grown up in Pharaoh's household. He knew the language. He knew some of the customs. He knew how to lead. He, he learned leadership. Then he was out in the wilderness as a shepherd. Guess where the, the Israelites ended up for 40 years in that same area of wilderness. Moses knew the area. He knew the snakes to look out for. He, he, he was prepared for that. Now, obviously, he needed God to go with him. But Moses took advantage of some of those opportunities. Here's somebody else. Uh, David, King David. Uh, what was his job? As he was a boy, he was a shepherd. And we, you know, right now, we think shepherd, oh, peaceful, whatever. 
it was actually the lowest of the low jobs. It was gross. You were out, you know, in, in the, the wilderness, you were out and about, you weren't home all the time and it was dangerous. And as you read about David, when he was a, a young boy, probably 14, 15. So Andrew's like you. So picture Andrew here, um, out in a field with all these shep sheep and, uh, uh, lion comes running out of the woods to eat a sheep. And Andrew goes running at the lion with a club. And that's what David did. So that's what a shepherd did. A shepherd was responsible for these sheep. And so David, not a great job. In fact, if you read through, remember when uh, Samuel came and he was going to anoint the next king and he goes to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's dad. And he says, hey, we're going to do a sacrifice. We're going to have a meal. He said, before we get started though, bring your sons before me. Um, And he brings all the sons before him. And God says, nope, not this one, not this one, not this one. He says, is this all your sons? He's like, oh, wait, I forgot. We got one more. (laughs) So David was forgotten by his father. He's like, oh, he's out with the sheep. Bring him. He was anointed king, but he wasn't king right away. And so as you read through David's life, he was prepared because when when the time came, this is a great story. David, okay, he's still a young man. So now he's like your age. He's Josh's age, a little older. So he's Josh's age now. He's 16 or so, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. He's still a shepherd, but now he goes to bring some cheese and some meat to his brothers who are in the army. And he's there. And while he's there, checking this out, this giant comes from the Philistines. They're on the battle and they've been there for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. This giant walks out and he starts cursing God. And he says, who are you guys? You know, just send out somebody. I will destroy them and you'll serve us. Or if they kill me, <laughs> like that's going to happen, we'll serve you. And so he's taunting Israel and they're all scared. Even the king is there and the king is scared. Nobody's doing anything about it. And David walks in. He's like, what is this? You're letting this guy talk down our God? And so David, this boy, he goes to the king. He's like, I'll kill him for you if you want. <laughs> Can I kill him? And so he does, and, and the story goes, he goes and he collects five stones and he goes out. And some would say, you know, he collected five stones in case he missed. But if you re- keep reading in scripture, there were actually four other giants. Uh, I, I don't remember if they were Samson's brothers or his sons, but some would say he actually collected them because he was going to finish it. He was going to kill Samson and then kill the rest of them. But he went out and the reason he said, I've, I've killed a bear, I've done that. Anytime, uh, you know, a bear or a lion comes to attack the sheep, I kill him. He's like, I can do the same to this guy. And so he, he took advantage. Later, David got to lead 400 ragtag men in the wilderness. All of this prepared him to be king. And sometimes it was really hard, but one thing after another, he did the best he could with what he had. Another man, Joseph. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, thrown into a well. As he's a slave, he comes into this man named Potiphar, his house, David had the gift of leadership. Uh, Joseph clearly had the gift of administration. Everywhere he went, he ended up being in charge of everything. He could organize. And so Potiphar put Joseph in front of it, uh, over his whole house. He organized everything. Potiphar didn't worry about anything. Well, some things happen. He goes to prison. In prison, he becomes the leader of the prison. The warden didn't have to do anything. He's like, Joseph, you handle it all. Later, Joseph ends up being second in command over all of Egypt. I mean, you just see God takes these people who take advantage of opportunities, even in prison. I think if I was in prison, I would be marking the wall and doing tic-tac-toe. I don't know. But he took advantage of those opportunities. The point is, God leads through opportunities, even ones that look miserable. You have no idea what God is planning for you. You have no idea what he wants you to do. But he's going to use what you're doing now, later. Building blocks. So leverage opportunities to use your gifts where you are. 
Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I love that verse because it takes control away from me. What it does put on me is I do make plans. I think I know what God has, and so I'll plan and I'll move forward, but he gets to redirect as he will. And so we do the best we can with where we're at, and he will redirect. You know, we, we see it clearly in Scripture at all these lives, and I look back at my life, and I just see the opportunities starting young, teaching Sunday school, to leading a men's group. I mean, just every little thing that God used me for to train me, to give me the, the, the skills and abilities that I needed to do other things. And certain times, he's kept things out that I wasn't good at, so somebody better could come in and do those. Every little piece, God does have a plan. God does have a plan, and he wants to use you for his glory. And so here's, here's our big thing today. Where are you right now? Are you glorifying God right now where you're at? Some of you feel guilty right now because you're like, I, yesterday, I remember Friday, I was grumbling about my boss. You know what? That's the past. Forget about it. Now let's move forward. Are you, are you doing the best right now? Students, are you doing the best in school you can? Some are nodding. Nod. Okay. <laughs> Those of you in sports, are you doing the best you can with what you have? Those of you who play an instrument, do you practice? <laughs> all, all these things, the, the things God gives us, do your best. Do your best because it is leading you forward. Now, next week, next week, we're going to look at how to make decisions. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be extremely helpful. It's been extremely helpful in my life. But next week, we're going to look at, okay, you have a decision. You're going down the road. There's a fork in the road. How do I know which way to go? That's for next week. Uh, but for this week, if you are not in a group, we would encourage you to get in a group. The table back there is going to be open. Katie's going to be there. Uh, go talk to her. But in our groups is where we get to wrestle through some of this stuff. In, in our groups is where we get to share this. Uh, and some of our groups are going to be multiplying and growing. But our groups are really our plan to reach Carson City and Carson Valley. Because how much can we really do here on the weekend? We can only do a little bit. How deep can we go with each other? We can't go super deep. And so our goal, we want to change the city. Our goal isn't to become a big church in the city. Our goal is to see the city churched. And so we want to go. This is, uh, we said last week, this is the, the pep talk in the locker room. The game is out there. So I would encourage you, get in a group, get talking about this stuff, and pray. Continue to pray and ask God, God, what is your will for my life? What is your plan for my life? And then take advantage of the opportunities that he gives you. Let me pray. And we will worship some more. Father in heaven, thank you for your scripture. Um, we see very clearly that you do lead through circumstances, that you, you lead through opportunities. We, we see the faithful men and women who took advantage of the opportunities that, that they were given. Um, and I know that sometimes I feel guilty for, for my lack of ambition, the way I saw in David and Joseph and even Moses. Um, but God, I'm not them. None of us are them, and, and you have a, a unique plan for each of us. I pray that we would be faithful, faithful to your known will, your moral will, as we see in Scripture, that we would be confident in your future. We've seen that week after week, that Jesus, you're going to come back. There's nothing we can do to change that. And when you do, you're going to judge, and you're going to reward. 
And so even if we don't feel the rewards in this life, we will have them in the next. But I believe if we're truly walking with you, we will have the rewards here of peace and joy. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your life in us. Thank you for the freedom from religion, um, the freedom from legalism. And I also thank you for the unity that you have given your church, the unity in you that we can go in the same direction for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.